My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. This is Philippians week 48, which is about... 45 weeks longer than most people expect a, a normal human being to be in Philippians, so uh, thanks for hanging out while we're not normal. Uh, we're starting on page 117 today, if you've got your green books, uh, so head over there if you would. Uh, and just a reminder, uh, we have some online stuff as well, so good morning to those of you online. And uh, if you're ever not able to make it in person, you can either go to Facebook uh, to see the stream, uh, or you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, and there's a little banner at the top that'll give you a link directly to whatever the Facebook post is uh, for the moment. So I'm going to read through Philippians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 2, go all the way to the end of chapter 4, and I will try not to start in Colossians, even though I have started reading Colossians, and I'm very excited about Colossians, but we still need to land the Philippians plane, so we'll try to do that. All right, Philippians chapter 4. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So last week we finished up with verse uh, 13 
Uh, and I tried to, again, downplay the verse a bit. Uh, so today we start on page 117 uh, in your green book. Again, soon to not be green. Color reveal coming soon. It's going to be like a, a, a baby uh, announcement. Like, is it a boy? Is it a girl? Is it we're not sure? And like, all right, so here we go. So verse 14, uh, still you did. So what is the you there? Is the you singular or is the you plural? What do you think from the, like, your generic answer of Philippians at this point should be what? It, it should be plural, right? Uh, and if you look in the text, you'll see you did, and that is a second plural, aorist, active, indicative. So yes, this is a, a collective you. You did well. That had to be nice to hear, right? I mean, just pause for a second and put yourself in the, in the shoes of the Philippians or the sandals of the Philippians, I don't know. And, uh, and listen to this letter being read to you, and you get through all this stuff, and you hear Paul say, you did well. Cool, man. That's great. But Paul is not one for general accolades, right? Uh, he is one for very specific feedback. And, uh, and he tells them, it's on page 118 now in your green book, by partnering with me in my hardship. And this word partnering is a plural partnering. So this is a, a, a group effort in partnering as well. It wasn't just one person there who was, over, who was just making sure this happened. This was a group effort of partnering. But this word hardship, like this, it's not a, it's a, it's a relatively common word in the New Testament, 45 times. But uh, it only happens twice in Philippians. The first time it happens in Philippians is Philippians 1.17. I'll back up to verse 16 to give it a little context here. So these preach out of love. Knowing, remember, these are the, uh, the, some preach out of Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. Verse 15, uh, verse 16, these preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others, the negative, proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. The word for imprisonment is the word hardship. So when Paul says hardship right here, he's already laid the literary groundwork that what he's referring to is his imprisonment. So you could, re you could one reading of this could be, you did well by partnering with me in my imprisonment. It's like, well, thanks for that. But is that imprisonment Paul's only hardship in his ministry? You're like, no, not quite at all. Like it was... It, it was toward the end, and it was not good, but there were lots and lots and lots of other opportunities here for, uh, for things to be described as hardship. And the word literally just means pressure. So it's this idea of being compressed. There's pressure uh, on and around you. So, uh, so an application here, uh, I would say at the bottom of page 118, partnership in hardship is good. I don't want to get really complicated, but partnership and hardship is good. So I got two personalizations with this one, so 1A and 1B. So 1A for me was look for those in gospel hardship. Like, look for those in gospel hardship. So who is, who is under pressure for the gospel? Because when Paul left Philippi, they didn't forget him, which is kind of cool, right? And they could have forgotten him, but they didn't forget him. So look for those in gospel hardship, and then 1B, partner with them. 
how do we engage in very tactical, tangible, physical ways with those that are in gospel hardship. So let's partner with them. Now, bottom of page uh, 118, verse 15 there, and you Philippians. Now, y'all tell me if you're like me in this. When When I initially read, and you Philippians, I think Philippians. But that's not right, is it? From the context here, he's not talking about the letter that he's writing. He's talking about what? The people that he's writing to, right? Uh, another, <laughs> I had never heard of this one. Y- you could also call them uh, Philippians. But you never heard that one, did you? It's the top of page 119. It's an alternate uh, Philippians, right? I don't know if you've ever seen a, uh, a politician go to a hard to do this to state. Uh, like, I'm from Tennessee. We are Tennesseans, right? Dave is from Michigan. He is something weird. It's, it's a Michigander, right? Would you have landed on that? No, you would not have, because that's not normal, brother, right? <laughs> it's better than being what? A youper. A youper? Yeah, that's an upper person. Oh, so the, oh, okay, gotcha. Um, there you go. There you go. That's exactly right. So, uh, so I just want to give you a formatting view here. If you look, you kind of zoom back out just a little bit on page 118. Do you see all the blue Philippians? In the green book, anywhere you see blue, if you don't see blue, you should see a doctor about your eyes because there are things that can help you here. Uh, but the blue are Bible references in all the stuff that I write. And you see the red for Philippians, because that's actually the, the biblical text. So this is the people, not the epistle. So, and, you, and this is, again, plural Philippians. And you, Philippians, I'm on page 119, you know. So this is a plural perfect. So what's a plural perfect? Somebody tell me what a plural perfect is. There you go. Wise uh, move there, jumping on the easy part of the phrase, right? Uh, teachers love students who... Uh, who engage quickly, that's good, Uh, and students love answering easy questions. So what's the perfect part? What's that? All? All? No, 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 (laughs) no, it's not (laughs) y'all. That's funny. Uh, The perfect, if you flip back over in your green book, you got your green book, have you already looked it up? It's completed action in the past with the results continuing in the present. Is that it? Did I have to that, that I, I didn't even look it up that time. Great, I got it right. I get it mixed up with the imperfect periodically. But page 11 is the one page in my green book that I usually wear the heck out because it's my cheat sheet. And if you think it's something other than cheat sheet, I literally named it cheat sheet for Greek verbs because <laughs> I forget this stuff. Um, it was funny. I, uh, I actually put this page together and used it for about a year before I showed it to anybody. And then a former member of our class saw it on the, on the table up here, on the pulpit up here, and, and she said, well, what's that? And I said, well, that's my cheat sheet. She said, well, why don't you share that with us? I'm like, I don't know. I think that would be smart, wouldn't it? She said, yes, we might want to know that too. And I said, okay. And the three of you that are interested in that, you have loved this page ever since, and I, I appreciate that. So it's awesome. So the perfect tense, so the plural is a group them, the Philippians. The perfect tense is this is something they learned before, 
and that the results are in the present. So they knew this in the past. They knew this in the past, that in the early days of the gospel, when he left Macedonia, no church shared with him in the matter of giving and receiving except them alone. So they knew prior to Paul writing this epistle that they were his support. That's, that's heavy, right? I, I would argue that's really, really heavy. It's serious missionary support, right? You know, because we typically think about... Uh, it, now, in the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, uh, I forget, Daryl told me one time, when we send somebody to the field, to the mission field, they've got three years of support or something in a bank account somewhere. They know they are covered, they're good, they've got it, they don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. That was not my experience growing up. I grew up in a, a small independent church, and we would have the Sunday night, Wednesday night missionary uh, rotations where so-and-so would come with their picture boards and we get to see all kinds of different things from all over the planet and it was just like okay I, I really should have done better in geography than I did uh, but I didn't and it was okay but uh, but this was their only support like that's a big deal yes sir Oh, I bet, yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it was. So I just want to take a beat and celebrate the Philippians, not the book, the people, for their great example to us. Before, I believe, they were commanded to do it. I can't find a spot where they were commanded to support in the manner in which they did before they did it. And that's pretty cool. You know, that's one of those, you, you know, you, the, most of you guys have uh, kids or have seen kids, and... Uh, you know that when you have uh, a child that does something before they're told to do it, you're like, whoa, that was, that was awesome. What do you want today? I want to shower it on your head. This is great, you know? So, it was modeled with Christ, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, love God and love others, right? This is kind of what it looks like, yeah, absolutely. All right, so, uh, and you Philippians know that, and then, like, I just have, like, a, a various emojis in my notes here for, in the early days of the gospel. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> sure, Paul, in the early, like, I view everything I read in the New Testament as the early days of the gospel, <laughs> but and from Paul's perspective, because here's my takeaway, my, my application, time is relative. You know, to a certain degree, time, your perspective on time is relative here. Uh, that in the early days of the gospel, so when was this in the early days of the gospel? Does anybody know? 
Uh, actually, that's too late. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the early days of the gospel would have been Jesus proclaiming the gospel, right? Mid-30s-ish. And the few years after that is Paul doing Paul's thing, kind of getting squared away and figuring it out. So this is 30s, 40s-ish, maybe early 40s. Um, very, very early days of the gospel, right? So I, w- I would encourage us to, my personalization here for me, is know when Bible events happened. This is helpful for us to kind of have an idea of what's going on. And then he says, page 120, so know when Bible events happen. So time is relative, so know when Bible events happen. Page 120, when I left Macedonia. When I left Macedonia. All right, so let's go uh, to our next slide here, Dave. And this is the, the map that we have. I think it's on page 13, 14, 15, 16, 16, page 16. This is in your book. Uh, and I like this map. Uh, mostly because it's free, uh, and if you put this little thing on the bottom of a picture, you can publish it wherever you want, per Wikipedia's uh, rules, and I try not to break the law. So uh, the problem with this map is, where is Macedonia? Macedonia's not on this map, right? Now, Macedonia is on this map. It's just not labeled on this map. So for those of you with a little snarky about the comment on that. So we've got Philippi's up here. We've got Rome's over here, so Paul's here, Philippi's here, we're going here next, right? Just a little advertisement. So this one doesn't quite help exactly what I need, so if you would, if you've got a physical Bible, flip to, yes, 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 the book of the maps, right? It's right before the book of the index and the book of the glossary, and the very, very last few books in your, in your Bible. So if you've got a Bible, flip to the very back. I'm making a lot of snarky jokes today, and y'all are not laughing and Julie's giving me a side eye, so I think they're not coming across right. So, <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry about that. So if you flip to your back, and it's, it's almost always the very last map in your Bible. I recently, and I am stunningly embarrassed to realize this and to say this, but in the last 12 months, I realized that almost all maps in the back of your Bible are chronological. Like, they will start with the early events of the Old Testament and work their way through. Then you get to, like, Jerusalem and the temple and all that. And then you kind of get to the, the maps of the Paul's missionary journeys. How many of y'all just learned that right now? I feel so much better. <laughs> Four hands went up for posterity's sake here, okay? Uh, I did not know that. And I, it really helps me find the right map faster now. So there, there's that. So let's go to the next slide, Dave. One of the maps in the back of your Bible might look something like this. So this is Paul's first missionary journey. These are from overviewbible.com. It is really, really nice graphics. This was one fairly easy-ish to see. I know, sorry. So I gave you the orientation earlier with the other one, right? So this is Paul's first missionary journey. And these are my uh, Bible ranges over here. So this is Acts 13-ish, 14-ish. And what I want you to see, the first time he goes out, he goes out from Antioch, he goes out, and he comes back the exact same way, right, to Antioch. So first missionary journey, uh, I I don't want to say small geography, but compared to the second and the third, small geography, right? So he's just going to visit a few cities, he's coming back. Do you see Philippi... In this cycle, he's not, right? So we, this did not have, he did not visit Philippi in the first 
one. Do you see Macedonia? Yes, we've got Macedonia. All right. Macedonia is kind of like a province or a quasi-state within the Roman Empire. Okay? And one of the weird things that happens in the New Testament is that when an author lists a city or a province or an empire, they don't tell you whether it's a city or a province or an empire. They just expected everybody to know because everybody alive at this time would have known where this stuff was. It's like me saying, yeah... It's down next to the five guys, but uh, not as far as the uh, Publix. Y'all know where I'm talking about on Hickson Pike right now? Yep. And somebody watching this from another zip code would go, I need Google Maps, right? Cool. So don't feel bad that we need maps to help us understand where this is. So this is first missionary journey. So he did not go to Philippi. Let's go to the second missionary journey. Second missionary journey is around Acts 1540 to 1822. Now, so he, he, he kicks off, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, did he start from Jerusalem or did he start from Antioch? I know his home base was Antioch for a big chunk. I, I, it's one of these two. He, let me put it this way. He starts off over here, okay? And then he makes this gigantic loop all the way. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And we get like whole chapters in some of these cities. Do you see Philippi on this little trek? Yes, you do, right there, Philippi. He's going to Philippi, right there. And he comes through Thessalonica. He comes down through, back through Achaia, through Athens and Corinth and Sincrea. That's where he takes his vow. He gets, a, he gets on a boat there. He gets on a long boat right here, comes back to Caesarea, deals with some stuff in Jerusalem, heads back up to Antioch, right? Big, long trip, big, long trip, all right? So when I left Macedonia, could he be referring about this? Sure, Absolutely. I think it actually makes a lot of sense that he's referring to this explicit uh, trip because he leaves Macedonia after having first, and this is where he founded the church at Philippi. So let's go to the third missionary journey. Now, this starts in Acts 18.23. Go back one slide, Dave. 18.22. There wasn't a lot of time off in between the second trip and the third trip. So let's go to the next one, the third trip. So his third trip, you, you see how he's... He kicks off from Antioch again, and he's going very similar route. You see this? Very similar route. But when he gets to Corinth, like, and I'm not, this is not a slur against the Corinthians, but he, he goes all the, like, he just reverses it. He goes all the way back, and then he gets to Miletus, and then starts taking ships back to Jerusalem. Because, again, he's got some stuff he's got to go do in Jerusalem. So, could he be referring to this missionary trip since he went through Philippi? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And which one is it? I don't know. (laughs) Are y'all worried about it? No. If it was, however, his second missionary trip, that would have been the first time he met most of the people in those places. That would be, like, nicer to them. (laughs) I only met you once. There you go. If it was his third missionary journey, and it was the second time or even the third time that he'd gone through some of these places, dang, this takes on a lot more weight. So I just want us to have an idea that this wasn't, I went to one or two towns and y'all were the one or two, y'all were the one place that supported me out at, no, 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 no. He had gone to dozens of cities and they were it. Like this is a big deal. It's a really big deal to Paul. So let's go forward one more, Dave. 
I think I'll stop being purple. Okay, great, good. Um, y'all, if, if you haven't seen this online, when I wear a white shirt and there's a dark colored map, I turn purple because the camera is trying to figure out what color everything is. And it's like Barney the dinosaur up here or something. It's, it's kind of strange. All right, so page 120. So when I left Macedonia, so is Macedonia a city or a region? It's a region. There we go. All right, so we've got a region of Greece. So when I left Macedonia, uh, no church. So I, I have an application here. I think it's kind of weak. I have geography is mostly fixed. Uh, so know where Bible events happened. I say mostly fixed because we don't know the location of every single thing that happened in all the places in the Bible. Uh, this is why we have fields like biblical archaeology, and they are still <laughs> literally uncovering things and helping us. You like that? That was good. You like that? I thought I'd at least get a groan from Dave Barber, and I instead got a groan from Bruce. <laughs> you can dig it? Oh, golly, I can't believe you made me say that. Oh. Good gracious alive. Yeah, so geography is mostly fixed, so nowhere Bible events happened. Uh, the maps are actually helpful sometimes. So when I left Macedonia, no church, no ecclesia. Should, now, let me ask this question. Why were there churches when Paul left Macedonia? Because he kicked them off, right? Which, can you imagine? Like, our founder just left. Mm, yeah, but I'm not going to support him. But I, I'd say this reflects a couple of things. One is the, the average wealth status of a first-century believer was shockingly, stunningly low. Like, this was not a lot of people who had anything to give. And we know for a fact that the church at Philippi had some rich members. Uh, Lydia was a seller of purple, right? You, didn't, you, you sold purple to people who could buy purple. And the only people who could buy purple were rich people. So there was some degree of wealth that she had there. Um, so no church, no church shared. This is a beautiful word. This is koinoneo. On page 121, this shows up a couple of other places in the New Testament. Um, I'm actually going to read through a few of them. So Romans 12, 13. Romans 12, 13. So this is uh, in a section in Romans that's entitled Christian Ethics. Uh, so verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. That word for share is the word for shared here, that koinoneo. Share with the saints in their needs. So there's a command there. In 15, Romans 15, 27. is Paul talking about his travel plans. Uh, verse 25, he says, Right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So they didn't, they didn't technically give to Paul. They gave to somebody who took funds back to Jerusalem. So remember, let's go back one slide, Dave. So Macedonia and Achaia, these regions, they gave money to support the poor back here. Like, whoa, that's a long trip. All right, let's go forward one, Dave. 
They were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared, have koinoniaed in their spiritual benefit, then they are obligated to minister to them in their material needs. Right? When we get spiritual benefit, we are obligated to share material needs. That's kind of his, it's probably as good a summary of Paul's view of giving as there is in the, in the New Testament. And then we get Galatians chapter 6, verse 16. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. That's the context of you reap what you sow. Is the immediate context is sharing with the teacher. Okay, cool. Good to know. All right, so no church shared, I'm on page 121 of the green book, no church shared with me in the matter. What's the Greek word for the matter there? Look in your green books, about halfway down the page. It's logos, right? You're like, I thought logos meant word. Logos means a lot of things. It's kind of like how Peyton Manning describes Omaha. Well, it can be a pass play, or it can be a run play, or it can be a... And that's all the types of uh, football plays that I know. Uh, insert 10 other football plays here. Uh, and you guys remember this game? There was a football game where Peyton kept saying the phrase Omaha, the word Omaha, right before they would snap the ball. And they would run different plays almost every time. And the reporters at the end of the game like, Peyton, what is... Like, what's Omaha? He's like, oh, Omaha's a, it's a run play. Yeah. We do this and this and this off of it. And he said, but sometimes, you know, Omaha's a, sometimes Omaha's a pass play. And we can do this and this and this off of it. And sometimes, Omaha, and he went through like eight different things that Omaha could be. And I feel like that's the word logos in the New Testament. It is broad. Because the one you hear about the most is this word refers to who? Jesus, yes, right? And it is. That's the fourth definition of the word, but I think this one is the second definition of the word, a topic, right? So have you ever heard someone say, would you mind sharing a word about this? That's kind of the spirit of this particular uh, usage of the word. So no one shared with me in the matter of giving, top of page 122, and receiving, because did Paul consume for himself all the gifts that he got? No, some of them were, we just read a verse, right, transported back to somewhere else to share with someone else. So there's a, an element of giving that is also, we need uh, to support people so that they themselves can be supported, but we need to support those in gospel hardship for them to assist others as well that they are going to come into contact with that we would not. And this is one of those weird things where our giving can vastly outreach our physical arms, which is kind of cool, you know? It's like, well, that's neat. I like that. So it's the giving and the receiving, except you. And again, it's a plural you. And then he adds one more word, 
alone. Except you alone. Like I, I firmly believe a great big chunk of Paul's love for this people is this section. Like this kind of gets to the, the heartbeat of, do, do y'all understand? Like you, you were it. Like there wasn't anybody else. And I don't know if you've ever had a period in your life where there was like one person or one small group of people who made the difference, but you don't forget those times and you don't forget those people. These are really impactful moments for Paul. So an application here at the bottom of page 122, giving when others don't give is good. So our giving shouldn't be limited to just when it's popular. Right? So giving when others don't give is good. So what do you think we ought to do with that? Give, yes, give, absolutely. Verse 16, for even, page 123, in Thessalonica. Like, all right, where was Thessalonica again? Let's go back two slides, Dave. So even in Thessalonica, where's Philippi? It's in Thessalonica. But this is after he left Philippi. Is this a long time after he left Philippi? Not very long at all. See, it, it took them almost no time at all to start giving to Paul. Isn't that cool? Epaphroditus got on it, man. <laughs> I, the, the text doesn't explicitly say this, but it is, I think, strongly implied in a couple of different spots. I think the Philippians chased him all over this region. Even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need. Top of page 124. The beautiful part here is several times. He's not out of Thessalonica yet. He's still in their, their geographical backyard and several times they're running after because it would have been, like, you, you would have walked it down, right? This is not, I, I bought a train ticket, I hopped on a little uh, charter bus. I, no, no, no. I ran him down, and we gave him what he needed several times. The Greek here is beautiful. It says, and one time, and twice, is what the literal Greek is, which is their way of going several times, <laughs> over and over. And then, so my application in the bottom of page 124 is giving repeatedly is good. Right? So giving is biblical. Giving when others don't is good, give, is good. And then giving repeatedly is good. So give. So give. All right. And I am out of time there, so we will pick up. I had planned to go one more verse, but we will not. We'll stop there. Awesome. Cool. So did, were the maps helpful for understanding this particular text? Yes? Cool. It's like we have permission to use all the resources available to us. And I, I will tell you, these particular resources, so if anybody wants to get into like biblical geography and you overlay the pictures that I showed with the maps in the back of your Bible and the maps of a different Bible and the maps of a different Bible, you'll see very small 
like differences in the direction of the arrow or the, the path of the arrow or the, the line will be over, it's okay. Right? We can get virtually everything we need to get from a very macro look at the geography of what's going on in the first century, even in the early days of the gospel. So that's the lesson for today. Uh, and let's go ahead and move to our prayer time, if you would. So you should have your weekly update at your table, so feel free to make updates to those. And uh, yeah, lean in, engage, pray as a group, and then when you're finished, we get to go worship the one who is worthy of all this travel all over the place and is worthy of all this giving all over the place and is worthy of his message being spread to the point where we're going to go chase his messenger down and make sure that he is fully supplied because it is a beautiful message to share. So thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.